Welcome to week number one in our series, Silent No More, and uh, we're really excited about this series. We've been working real hard uh, on it behind the scenes, and let me encourage you right now to go ahead and open up your Valley Christian Church app, and you can follow right along with the message that I'm about to give, the outline there, and the fill in the blanks. That being said, on the app, it's the top little button there. The provider is having some problems with some of the graphics, but if you'll just click on the logo, it'll open up for you, and there you'll have all the fill in the blanks and the scriptures that we're going to be looking at uh, as we kick off this series. And and I thought as we, just an introductory message, we call this Just Do It. Just Do It, because one of the things that we're going to be looking at in this series, Silent No More, as we're calling it Shining a Light on Injustice, is that, that we're supposed to do justice. Uh, God talks a lot about his expectation of his followers to do justice. And so I thought in this, again, this introductory message would call it Just Do It. Now, uh, what we're doing here at Valley Christian Church is we're actually calling the month of May our Compassion Month. And uh, we we have plans of doing this on an annual basis to focus on uh, really some ways that as a church, uh, we're trying to reach our community with compassion and really also uh, partnering with some great organizations as well uh, that are doing a phenomenal job with touching people's lives really uh, with compassionate hearts, with mercy and with justice uh, as well. Now, uh, if, if you're with us right now and this message Real flop, and it's nothing but a disappointment to you. I invite you to come back next week because we have a guest speaker, and he's really awesome. Uh, that's going to be Josh. Uh, Josh and Kristen Lipscomb uh, are going to be here. They actually pastor the church where my wife Susie and I were married uh, in Pensacola, Florida. They're younger than we are. Their father turned the church over to them. Uh, Josh's dad, and they're going to be here. And and oh, this Friday coming up, uh, Friday night when a uh, Next Friday, actually, uh, is we're going to have a special event about human trafficking awareness. Uh, and I invite you all to come out. That's for men and women alike. Uh, it's just a real eye-opener to realize what's going on. We're not talking about New York City. We're not talking about Philly. We're talking about Dutchess County. We're talking about right under our noses and just some real practical ways uh, that we can be aware and we can really help uh, in this regard of, of human trafficking. Kristen Lipscomb, it's a real passion of hers, and she's doing some great connecting to us, to some folks uh, that are really going to be helping us to make a difference and make real inroads. Uh, so that's next Friday. And then Saturday, next Saturday, uh, is going to be a special meeting for our ladies, Sisters United, and Kristen's going to be speaking then. And, and of course, uh, Josh Lipscomb's doing the whole message next week. So really, really excited about that. And, and you may remember in our last series called Hash Hashtag struggles. We talked about compassion a little bit uh, in the message, I could care less, where we realized that really in terms of care and compassion as a culture and as a society, statistics and surveys show we actually are less compassionate than we were 20 years ago in the United States of America. That because we hear so much, we're constantly bombarded with all kinds of issues, that we actually care less today than we did just 20 years ago or, or, or maybe even a generation ago. And, and I, th- I don't think that's the way that God wants to be going. And so we're really excited about talking about being compassionate and not just talking about it. Every single one of these messages in the series, we're going to give you a practical way how you can get more involved in being compassionate. So that's why we're calling this uh, Silent No More, Shining a Light on 
compassion. And I want to start off this, this series really by looking at one passage uh, in the Old Testament, uh, one verse, and, and spending the time together, kind of introducing it and unpacking this one verse. And, and this one verse is pretty uh, it's sentimental to me personally. This is the first Bible verse uh, that our little girls ever memorized. Susie and I have three daughters, and almost as soon as they could talk, we had them memorize this verse because this is how pivotal uh, we really believe this verse is in all the Bible. Uh, it's in the Old Testament. It's actually, it's not John 3.16. That's important. Uh, but, but we thought even for these little girls that they're just formulating their ideas and their perspectives, that, that really the, the number one verse we wanted them to learn was Micah, the book of Micah. He's one of the minor prophets in the Old Testament. Micah chapter 6, verse 8. Let's take a look at it. Micah chapter 6, verse 8. The Lord has shown you what is good. And so now he's going to explain. This is what God says is good. The Lord's shown you what is good. He's told you what he requires of you. And so we don't have to scratch our heads wondering, what is it that God expects out of me? And we just thought this was so important for our, the formative years of our little girls. The Lord has shown you what is good. He has told you what he requires of you. Now watch this. I had him highlight this. This is pretty interesting. You must. It's not a suggestion. You have to. You must act with justice. You must act with justice. You must love to show mercy. And you must be humble as you live in the sight of your God. And so these three things are not options for God's children. The Bible makes it very clear. This is what God expects, not out of clergy alone, not out of super, super spiritual Christians. Every follower, every person that loves God, every child of God, this is God is saying, I'm watching. And this is what I expect out of you. That it's not open to debate, it's not open to interpretation. He's saying, this is what I expect. You must act with justice. You must love to show mercy. Love to show mercy. Like we're just looking for every opportunity possible to show mercy to someone else. And you must be humble as you live in the sight of your God. And so I just want to unpack this verse in the time that we have together, introducing these key themes when we talk about compassion, justice, mercy, and humility. Justice, mercy, and humility. And I think those three things together equal compassion. Justice, mercy, and humility. And so let's just break it down first of all here in Micah 6, 8 where it says you must act with justice. What does that even mean? You must act with justice. In the Old Testament, the Bible is primarily, the regional writings of the Bible, written in two languages, primarily. Uh, Old Testament Hebrew, New Testament Greek. Old Testament here in Micah, this was Hebrew, and the Hebrew word for justice is the word mishpat. Mishpat, right there in Hebrew. And, and what justice really actually means is to treat people in a fair and impartial way, freely giving what is due. So, so in the Old Testament, God says you have to treat people impartially. There's no favoritism. That there's no, I, I treat you different 
because you like me, or you think the way I do, or you vote the way I do, or, or anything like that. Of course, they didn't have voting in the Old Testament, but you understand. God says justice means we all treat each other alike. We all treat each other equally. To treat people in fair and impartial way, freely giving what is due. Now, this word in Hebrew, mishpat, I don't want to go too deep here on you, but this word mishpat appears 200 times in the Old Testament. 200 scriptures in the Old Testament that deal with justice. 200 times God is speaking about this issue. You kind of get the feeling this is important, don't you? I don't know how many of you parents have ever said something 200 times, but, but, but it's probably important in your house. You know, stop hitting your sister. You say that 200 times, you know, it's like it's an important thing. And so 200 times. So, Greg, how do you know that it appears 200 times? I looked up every single one of them. I looked up every single one of them, and, and, and we're going to look at all 200 in our time together right now. No, it's not going to do that. I want to summarize for you the 200 verses in the Old Testament where this word mishpat is actually used, meaning justice. And, and, and here's a summary. What does act with justice from Micah 6a? What does it really mean? Here's a summary of the Old Testament teaching about justice. First thing is this. Justice means care for the vulnerable. Justice means those who are vulnerable those who are down and out, those who the society has the cards stacked against them, it's our job as followers of Christ to care for them. That's what God expects of his children. It, justice is to care for the vulnerable. And in just a minute, I'll explain what the Bible says, who it identifies who the actual vulnerable are. Second thing is this, justice reflects the very character of God. When we act justly, we're acting like our Father. Because our Heavenly Father is a just God. And so justice reflects the very character of who God is. Here's the third thing about justice. Justice means right relationships, that we're proper relationships with other people. Isn't it amazing how God is always concerned about how we treat other people? He's always looking, how are you treating your neighbor? We're going to talk about that in weeks ahead. What is, who is our neighbor? We're going to look at that in a few weeks. He's always looking. Justice is right relationship, not just with God, but with other people as well. And the fourth thing is this, justice includes generosity. That, that in other words, justice is not just, you see some injustice happening, and you're like, man, that, I feel really bad about that. I'm going to pray for it. It means I'm going to do something to make sure that doesn't continue to happen. Justice is a verb. It's not a feeling. It's not an emotion. And, and so justice is care for the vulnerable. Justice reflects character of God. Justice is right relationship. And justice also includes generosity. So putting that all together, here's a really good Bible definition of justice. Are you ready for it? Here it is. Justice means to become concerned about the most vulnerable, the poor, and the marginalized in our society. And to make long-term personal sacrifices in order to serve their interests, their needs, and their cause. That's what justice is. 
Now, here's the thing. As, as I was leading up to this, I was like, man, you know what? This is really, really high possibility of misunderstanding as we look at this. Remember, what we're looking at is the Bible. A lot of issues that God talks about in the Bible, and I don't know how else to say this, political parties have hijacked what God instructs followers of Christ, their responsibility is. And so don't hear any of the, and nothing in this series is political. Everything in this series is biblical. But here's the thing that I've discovered. God is not a Republican. And God is not a Democrat. And God is not a liberal. And God is not a conservative. Do you know who God is? He's like, God. He's not taking sides. Take him. He's not taking sides. And, and, and he says, I'm really concerned about justice. It's a really big issue to me. And so let's look at it again. What is it? To become concerned about the most vulnerable, the poor, and marginalized in our society, and to make long-term personal. That's me. That's Greg. Long-term personal sacrifices in order to serve their interests, their needs, and their cause. So who is it that needs justice? Who is it that needs justice? You know, when I'm, when I'm going to the mall and, and somebody jumps in and cuts me off and takes my parking space, is that injustice? Well, of course it is. No, it's not at all. It's not, it's not at all. That, that just because we don't get what we want, does it, that's not injustice. What is injustice? Who is it? Who really needs justice in our society? Those that are the most vulnerable in our society. And who is that? Biblically, over and over and over again throughout Scripture, there are four groups of people, especially in the Old Testament, that God says these four types of people need justice. And they need it from those who have justice. Who have justice. What are the four types of people? Widows, orphans, immigrants, and the poor. Those are the four types of groups of people that need justice. Widows, orphans, immigrants, and the poor. Immigrants is the alien. There's so much in the Bible, and it's not talking about extraterrestrials. There's so much in the Bible that talks about, God says, the way you treat a foreigner in your country is the way you relate to me. And if you mistreat a foreigner, I take special notice of that. Immigrants. Most every one of us is an immigrant to this land in which we live. Maybe we've been here for a few generations, but, but you know what? We're still immigrants. My family, Native Americans. I have Native American blood in mine, but somewhere we walked across the land bridge and then it fell through the water. Immigrants, every one of us. And, and God says, just because you've been there longer doesn't mean you can mistreat those that haven't been here as long. And, and so this is a case for justice. There must be justice. In Bible times, these groups had no special power or support system in place to care for them. Today, we could almost expand these four from widows, orphans, immigrants, and the poor to refugees, migrant workers, the homeless, single parents. You know what the poverty level is in America for single parents? It's one of the most impoverished demographics in our whole country. Single parents. And also the elderly. And again, these groups of people that, that oftentimes 
don't have the, the, the justice available to them that most of us have, God says, you gotta do something about that. You, you need to think through this. And you need to understand what my word says and what your responsibility is as a follower of Jesus Christ. Think about this for just a minute. God himself, one of the names that God calls himself in the Old Testament is the defender of the poor. He says, that's my name. I'm the defender of the poor and a father to the fatherless. God says, that's, that's like on my mailbox. Defender of the poor and a father to the follower to the fatherless. And, and what he says to us, to you and me, is this, follow his example. We need to follow his example. Let's look at a few passages of scripture, and again, this is such a huge theme throughout the Bible, that's why it's gonna take five weeks for us to just kind of begin to get our, 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 wrap our head around it. But, but for the sake of this message, let's look at a few passages in the Bible. Look at Proverbs 31, verse eight. It says, speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves. Ensure justice for those who are being crushed. And it's from this passage of scripture in Proverbs 31, verse eight, that, that, that we got the whole theme for this whole series called Silent No More. Silent No More. It's, God doesn't say speak up for yourself. He says speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves and ensure justice for those who are being crushed. How about Jeremiah chapter 22, verse three? It says, this is what the Lord says, do what is just and what is right. This sounds a lot like Micah 6.8. Why, why should we be surprised? Because it's the same God. Do what is just and right. What is just and right? Rescue from the hand of the oppressor the one who has been robbed. Do no wrong or violence, there it is, to the foreigner, the fatherless, or the widow. So right there, God says, I see these grouped together the foreigner, the fatherless, and the widow. And God says, don't do anything violent. Don't, don't violate them in any way. Don't take advantage of them. Don't, don't, don't wrong them. Be just with them, just and right. Do no wrong or violence to the foreigner, the fatherless, or the widow. Here's another one, Proverbs chapter 14, verse 31. Whoever oppresses the poor shows contempt for their maker. Ouch. God says, if, if you oppress the poor, you show you don't have any regard for me. But whoever is kind to the needy honors God. Wow. That actually when we remember the needy, we actually honor God by doing that. And, and here's the last one I want to look at uh, under this idea. Jeremiah twenty two sixteen. And again, we're just scratching the surface. He gave justice and help to the poor and needy and everything went well for him. Isn't that what it means to know me, says the Lord? That's crazy, isn't it? That God actually says, this is what it means to know me. Give justice and help the poor and needy. Everything's gonna go with you, go well with you. That's what it means to know God. Giving justice to the poor and to the needy. And so this idea of justice, we're gonna come back to this over and over because it's, it's almost like a, a two-edged two sword or two sides to the coin. Justice and mercy. 
always justice and mercy working in tandem. And as I said, it's like uh, justice and mercy and Micah 6, 8, to, to do justice, love mercy, walk humbly equals compassion. And so let's look at this whole idea of showing mercy. Back to Micah 6, 8, you must love to show mercy. Again, you see that word must, it, it's an imperative, it's not, it, it's not a suggestion. God's saying like, you have to. You have to show mercy. And, and so what is that word mercy? And again, in the Old Testament here, Micah chapter 6, verse 8, the Hebrew word for mercy is the word <laughs> Sounds like Chewbacca, doesn't it? <laughs> something like that. I can't even say it. Cheese said diha, something like that. I don't speak Hebrew. I don't. I have this button I push on my computer. It says it to me like 150 times. I still can't say it. It's, it's really that, that CH is a ha, is what it means. It's like ha said. So that's the word in Hebrew, and what it means is, for mercy, God's unconditional grace and compassion. Think about that. God's unconditional grace and compassion, which means this. No one deserves it. It's never, mercy is never a case of, do, does this person deserve my mercy? Because mercy at, at its very bedrock foundation is always unconditional. No one deserves it. We can't earn it. It's unconditional. And so this Hebrew word in the Old Testament for mercy, God's unconditional grace and his unconditional compassion. See, here's the thing. You and I, we can't really do justice unless we've been justified by faith and are right with God. Because we don't really know what's right until he makes us right through his son, Jesus Christ. And when we surrender our life to Jesus Christ and recognize that, you know what? I had this sin issue and I can't do anything to make myself clean to stop it. But God made a way where there was no way. And, and he sent his son to live a perfect life and, and to die as a substitute, a sacrifice. He laid his life down for you and for me. And here's the thing. It was an act of mercy because it was unconditional grace and compassion. None of us deserved it. And he rose again three days later. And so because of that, God sees us, when we receive Christ as our Savior, he sees us as perfect, just as Jesus Christ was, even though we're not. But he was a substitute, and he died in our place. And so now we can begin to act justly because we've been justified, which is a great Bible word. What does justified mean? Just as if I'd never sinned. That's what it means to be justified. And so as we're talking about mercy, how can we love mercy if we've not personally experienced God's mercy in our life? If we haven't realized the seriousness of our own failure. That when we realize God did for us and we didn't deserve it. And when we really come to grips with God's mercy, do you know what happens? 
mercy begins to flow out of our life. And we begin to be more and more merciful to those who don't deserve mercy because that's what we got from God himself. Ephesians chapter two, verses four and five in the New Testament puts it this way. But because of his great love for us, because of God's great love for you and for me, who is rich in mercy, it's like he's got bags and bags full of it. He's rich in mercy. He made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. And for the sake of our time together, that word transgression simply means sin. When we're dead in our sin, God who is rich in mercy made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in our sins. It is by grace that we've been saved. We didn't earn it. None of us, if we lived a million years, none of us would ever be good enough to earn God's forgiveness. It's an act of mercy. And when we realize that, that it's completely unconditional and that none of us deserve it, you know what? We find ourselves not only receiving mercy from God, but giving mercy to others. Even when they don't treat us right. Even when they don't respect us. Even when they don't deserve it. Let me put it this way. God's mercy can't stop with us as recipients. We must also be distributors. We, we can't just be consumers of God's mercy. That it just, God's mercy stops with Greg. In fact, Jesus put it this way. Blessed are the merciful. They shall receive mercy. In other words, if I'm just experiencing mercy, God's saying that's not the way it's supposed to work. I want you to be merciful and then watch, I'll be even more merciful to you. But I determine the measuring amount. God's mercy can't stop with us as recipients. We, we can't just like, oh wow, I'm so, whoo, thank you for your unconditional mercy. And then someone's wrongs us and you son of a gun. That's someone who has not truly experienced mercy and doesn't understand the lengths that God went through to show you mercy and to show me mercy. We must also be distributors. None of us can do what God requires until first we come to God as broken sinners who need to be saved. And if we, as Micah 6, 8, we must do justice and we must love to show mercy. First of all, we have to receive it. And then once we do, we can extend it to other people as well. Look at Titus chapter three, verse five, talks about this. He saved us not because of the righteous things we did. None of us can ever earn God's forgiveness. He saved us not because of the, the good works that we did, but because of his mercy. And mercy is always unconditional. We didn't earn it. He washed away our sins, giving us a new birth and a new life through the Holy Spirit. And so if Micah 6, 8 says, which it does, we must do justice, we must love to show mercy, we've got to understand what these two words really mean. 
And also he says, and walk humbly with your God. And here's what my suspicion is. When we understand God's justice and we understand God's mercy and we've experienced those two things, guess what? It humbles us so much. Humility is the the product of understanding God's justice and his mercy. It's not arrogance. It's not pride. It's humility. God, I didn't deserve what you did. I'm so thankful. See, here's the thing. Christians, we don't do good works in order for God to forgive us. He already has. That's why we do good works. Because our heart is full of gratitude and humility that because of his mercy he washed away our sins, giving us new birth and new life through the Holy Spirit. The only people that God can save are people that know that they're lost. And the only people that God can forgive are people that know they need to be forgiven. So why just do justice and mercy? Why just do it? Why is it so important? Not that we just understand these things for ourselves. See, there's a, it's like the Bible. You can't understand the Bible and all that God has to say in the Scripture in the context of me, myself, and I. It's impossible. Because the entirety of New, Old Testament and New Testament is meant to be lived out with others. Corporately together. Everything. We talk a lot about purpose. You know, what's the purpose for my life? The purpose for our life is discovered in community with one another. So why just do justice and mercy? Two reasons why we need to do justice and we need to love doing mercy. Two reasons why. First of all, and I think it's the most important, it's important to God. It's important to God. Our Heavenly Father says, yo, Greg, this is really important. And if I love him, you know what? What's important to him is going to be important to me. And, and, and as I allow what's important to him to become important to me, guess what? There's a family resemblance. Because I'm looking like, and I'm acting like, and I'm thinking like my heavenly father. It's important to God. Look at just, just one example of this. Psalm 146, verse 9. The Lord protects the foreigners among us. He cares for the orphans and the widows, but he frustrates the plans of the wicked. He protects the foreigners among us. He's like, I'm watching. I'm watching how you treat people that don't look like you, don't talk like you, don't act like you, don't think like you, don't even speak the same language you speak. I'm watching. It's important to me. Justice, he cares and he makes his heart clear to us. So, so reason number one, why it's just so important to just do justice and mercy, it's important to God. Reason number two, Jesus comes along and makes it really, really clear. And that's really, I guess, what this whole series is about as I'm introducing it this weekend. It is in contrast to the world. Justice and mercy are from a whole nother place than this planet. It's from the throne of God. That's where justice and mercy comes from. 
Justice and mercy, that's why it's so important that, that we who name Christ as our Lord and our Savior, that, that this is something that's very important to us, not just philosophically, but we get our hands dirty, we roll up our sleeves, and we do justice, and we love doing mercy, because it's in contrast to the world. What are you talking about, Greg, contrast? It's countercultural to the world we live in. Look at the words of Jesus. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. In the same way, let your light shine before others. Watch this now. That they may see the magnet on your car. No, that's not it. That they may see the big old Bible under your arm. No, not that. The, the cross hanging up in your house. Nope, that's not it. Jesus says that the, the counter-cultural followers of Christ, there is going to be this contrast in the community of faith that's going to make them stand out from the rest of the world. They may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. That They may even say, you know what, I'm not sure I believe everything that those Christians believe. But you know what? I want what they've got. I want what they've got because there's just something different about them. They care for people. Their hearts break for those whose hearts are breaking. They're compassionate. And they seek justice for those who are under the oppression of injustice. And you know what? They are so merciful and they're so forgiving. Maybe they've experienced something that I haven't yet and I want what they've got. Not sure I believe everything they believe, but I want what they've got. This is what Jesus was talking about. You are the light of the world. A contrasting community a community of faith, a community of justice, and a community of mercy as well. Let me put it this way, trying to summarize this message now. When we see ourselves as God sees us, then we become what he wants us to become. But when you and I really see ourselves the way that God sees us, and we realize what he has done for us, do you know what that does? It like, uh, it makes us go out and do justice. <laughs> it makes us love showing mercy to other people when we're wronged. And there's something that happens to our hearts and our minds and our souls and we walk humbly with our God. And that's exactly what he's wanted all along. He's shown you, old man. Boy, I can still remember our little girls. He's shown you, old man, what is good and what the Lord requires of you. Do justice, love mercy, walk humbly with your God. Micah 6, 8. I'm like, yeah, I give them like a dollar every time they do it, you know. But because, I mean, I, can you... Impressing this on the heart of a child? This is what God expects. This is what it means to have faith in God. 
It's shown in action. When we see ourselves as God sees us, then we become what he wants us to become. Now, throughout this series, each week, we're going to be shining the light on compassion. So some great ministries, some great organizations in our community that are just doing incredible things in terms of justice, in terms of compassion, in terms of ministry. Many of them that we've partnered with. And, and this is, uh, although it's Thursday, uh, this is Mother's Day weekend. And we just thought, well, what would be a greater organization to shine the light on than an organization that maybe you've even heard about in our community called Sparrow's Nest? Maybe you've seen something like that before. Or, uh, oh, look what I did. Uh, but that's my T-shirt right there, Sparrow's Nest. Now, this, this, is, this is our very own Krista and Christian uh, Jones that, that started this. And, and we sent our tech crew out to Sparrow's Nest to just capture the story behind this incredible organization. And, and uh, I'm going to let the video play first, and then I'm going to come back. And, and we just want to shine a spotlight on this incredible organization uh, that, that is just absolutely touching people in an incredible time of need in their lives. And uh, I'm going to show the video first, and then I'll be back to just comment on it. Let's go ahead and roll that. I had been diagnosed with breast cancer in November of 2014. I had surgery and then when they told me I needed chemo, actually a friend of mine reached out and said, I think she might need some help. The Sparrow's Nest cooks for the caregivers of children. If a caregiver, mom, dad, grandma, grandpa, somebody that has custody of the children, 18 and under living in their home, ends up being sick with cancer, we actually come in to help feed the family. So any type of cancer diagnosis, we come in every Monday with homemade meals. We bring two big dishes along with salads and fruits and snack bags for the kids. So our goal is to give them some precious time so they can rest, try to get better, financially help them so there's less meals they have to provide every week, and physically help them because it's a stress and it's a strain when you have to think about dinner and you can't even smell it and you can't even eat it because you're just too sick to even cook it. They started delivering meals the night before I started my first chemo and it was really great every week to have that. It was just so nice to just not, to have that night before chemo, because it always came on Monday and chemo was Tuesday. They could, we could just have dinner together and not cook and really clean up and it eliminated a lot of stress. Once I started feeling better, I wanted to be able to give back. Within a six-week period, I had five very good friends that were all diagnosed with different types of cancers. And, you know, I had been searching for a while, trying to figure out where my place was in life. And I said to my husband, this is it. You know, he's telling me that here's what I need you to do. So I started cooking for those five families. And I said to my husband, you know, if I can cook for five families, I can cook for 50.
People can get involved however they feel comfortable. They can physically come to the kitchen and chop up hundreds of pounds of potatoes every week, which most people you know, cringe at. Uh, financially, they can get involved by going to the website. It really is all about faith. And if, you, if you're just quiet, which is hard to believe that I'm ever quiet, but if you just sit and listen to what God is trying to steer you to do, You'll get there and he'll take care of you. It just, it may not be in your time, you know, it's in his. So that's a little, uh, just a little overview of what Sparrow's Nest does. And uh, one of the reasons why My mother died of cancer at 57. And so this is really kind of personal. And when, when Susie and I had a chance to go to Krista and, and Christian's home, th that kitchen's in their house, y'all. Feeding 50 families a week. Just absolutely amazing. And, uh, and we asked them, we said, can we shine a spotlight on Sparrow's Nest? And they agreed. And thank you so much. We really appreciate it and all that you're doing. And, and, and we want to just make, make us aware and give you an opportunity to get involved with Sparrow's Nest. One of the ways that you can do it, and, and I asked them to do this. They didn't suggest this, but they brought T-shirts and you can buy these t-shirts that help $20 a t-shirt, men's, women's, and kids, right outside these doors, right here, right after the service. And, and the proceeds go to help fund Sparrow's Nest. Also, they need people to peel potatoes. They, they need some drivers that will drive the meals to these families that, that are really in them. What's more compassionate than that? And mercy, that, that are, are battling through cancer. And so uh, this is just the start of this series, and this is how this series is going to play out. We're going to look at what the Bible says, and then we're going to say, here's an opportunity. Here's an opportunity. Because we just want to shine a light on compassion and really to do justice and to show mercy the way that God really wants us to. And so I'd like you to consider Sparrow's Nest. We don't get anything off the top or anything like that. This is just to help them out because we're just so doggone proud of what God put in the heart of these folks and what they're doing. Literally, it's gotten national exposure right here in sunny downtown Hopewell Junction. Pretty amazing. Well, I'm going to ask right now, would you bow your heads with me? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I realize for, for some of us that just the idea, really, uh, that we've looked at tonight, many of us, we, we were ignorant. We were unaware of how clear you say what you expect of us, to do justice, to love showing mercy to others, and to walk humbly with you, as you told us in Micah 6a, that we would be compassionate, that we would let our light shine. And so, Father, I pray that even as we start this series, you just speak to our hearts of how you would desire for each of us to get a little more involved in showing compassion 
and that we could really do justice, we could really show mercy, and we could really walk humbly with you and let the light of our good work shine because we understand the mercy that you've poured out upon us and the compassion that you have for us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.